Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church family. Would you stand with us this morning? You guys, it is no mistake that you are in this house this morning. This was an ordained appointment from our Heavenly Father because this is purposeful. He has a purpose for you this morning. And no matter what you're dealing with, this morning, our worship will be our weapon. So let's come into agreement. God, we choose to trust you this morning. We choose with every breath that we have in our lungs to sing out to you, to sing through whatever it is that the enemy has put in front of us. And God, right now, if anybody doesn't feel worthy enough to be in this service, we bind that up in Jesus' name. And God, would you wrap your arms around them and would you let them feel your love and your embrace? because your kids are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place and we ask God that you would do what only you can do. And right now we're just gonna get excited for the name of Jesus. Amen, come on. Who am I that the highest king would welcome? I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Through the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes, I He has ransomed me, His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me. Through the sunset's free, oh, it's free. Child of 
Our Heavenly Father loves us, for He allowed us to be called His children, and we really are. We really are sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, thousands of years ago, God the Father and God the Son existed in heaven before all time and eternity began. And at a certain time, they looked down on the earth and they saw humanity full of sin and hurt and deceit and separated from him as a result of those choices. And at that point in history, they could have said, you know what? People too messed up. Mankind, let's just, let's just start over. But instead they said, no, what's going to happen is the son's going to come. And so Jesus, the son willingly put on humanity and was born of a virgin and came to this earth, born the same way that the rest of us are born and lived a typical childhood. And as he grew into manhood, he began to teach about God in a way about his father in heaven that, that people hadn't heard or understood before. And then miracles started happening. As Jesus was teaching, people would be healed and set free. And all of this caused so much jealousy among the religious people that they said, we can't, allow, we can't allow this guy to continue to get the popularity. And so they were threatened by him. So they made up false accusations. And they had Jesus arrested. And when he was arrested, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that they were going to convict him in this farce of a court. And they were going to condemn him to death. And before all of that happened, the very night before, Jesus decided that he would gather with his 12 closest followers in a room and they would eat a meal together. And that meal is called the Lord's Supper. That's what we call it today, but then it was just Thursday. And at, in that meal was a Passover meal, which was a high holiday of Jewish people, of which Jesus is one. And during that course, he stopped, and the Bible says, on the night before he was betrayed, so the Thursday, the Lord Jesus took the loaf of bread, which he had given thanks for, and he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was prophesying about what was about to happen. What would the next days include? It would include his own body being broken and his own blood being shed. He prophesied about it, he knew it, and he willingly allowed it because it was the very reason that he was born. He knew from the beginning of time that his blood would be shed and his body would be broken for the saving of all of mankind. And so on that night, he took the bread and he said, you guys, when this future generations are gonna do this to remember me, and that's why we're doing this this morning, to remember who Jesus was, to remember what he went through and to celebrate together that he loved us so much that he went to the cross on our behalf. So let's thank him for the bread and what it symbolizes. 
Jesus, we're so grateful for your love that you came down from heaven to seek and to save those who were lost and that you died to pay the debt I owed for my mistakes. You died to pay the debt each one of us owed for our mistakes. God, that kind of love, we, we don't know it anywhere else but in you. And we thank you. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. Maybe you're in the room this morning and really never heard everything that I just shared about how Jesus came to save all of us. But you're here and you've heard it now. And maybe in this moment you realize, wait a second, I need to respond to the fact that God has come, that Jesus came to pay the price for my sins. You see, each person has a personal responsibility to say, Jesus, forgive me. I am personally sorry for my sins. Each person has a responsibility to say, I choose to give over leadership or lordship of my life to you, Jesus. And this isn't supposed to be a part of the communion service normally, but it's just on my heart that there's some ones in this room that need to make that decision right now, that you need to choose to give leadership and lordship of your life to Jesus, the one who died on the cross for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you realize you're hearing the story of what Jesus did for you, how much he loved you and how he came to save you, but you've never asked him to save you before, would you let him know that you're asking him to save you by just lifting up your hand? I need Jesus. I need him to save me. Save me from my mistakes and my sins and to be the Lord and leader of my life. It's awesome. I see your hands. Let's pray together for the benefit of all of those raising their hand. Let's repeat this. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the mistakes and sins. Please forgive me. Be the Lord and leader of my life. I believe that you died and rose again so I could have a relationship with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus then, the Bible said, he took the cup of wine in the same way after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed with the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Jesus, we're so grateful that you shed your blood so that we could be whole, so that we could be healed, so we could be set free. And we come back to that moment in our minds and we remember who you were and what you did for us. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship together.
How many of you need a breakthrough in this place? You're looking out and you're saying, Jesus, when is it my time? Jesus, when is it my time? Guess what? Today is the day. Not tomorrow. Today is the day for victory. Today is the day for breakthrough. Amen. Yeah. i 
when um, you come to church, we hope that you've put some thought into a gift that you're bringing. This is what we do when we go to people's birthday parties, the people's weddings. We think about the people that we're going to celebrate, and we bring a gift. And church is no exception. When we come to God's house, the Bible says we shouldn't come empty-handed, meaning we should have put some thought into how am I going to honor the guest of honor, and that often comes uh, during this time of the offering. And so I hope that you've come prepared to give. If you have, you can uh, drop that in the offering drop box, or you can go digital. You can sign up on the Church Center app uh, through the giving prompts of how to do that. It takes one minute to set up and then like 20 seconds from there forward. But um, however you like to give, we're going to ask that God would bless and protect you and your resources and your relationships. So God, we know that everything we have is because you gave it to us. You're the one that provides for us, and we are grateful for that. And we pray now for just supernatural resources and strength to come into the lives of each person represented in this room. Provide for us financially. Provide for us emotionally. Provide for us physically and provide healings for us. And, and all the things that are on our mind, God, we hand them over to you, and we ask you to involve yourself in them and to give us those breakthroughs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, many of you may have seen online that um, a longtime church member named Larry Branson has gone to be with the Lord. Um, when I came to Fellowship Church as an intern 25 years ago, Larry was already here. He was already serving as an usher greeter, and he was also already serving um, in our drama ministry. And so I remember watching him in a drama uh, way back 25 years ago, and he's just been with us ever since. And so he went home to be with the Lord this week, so we just wanted to make that, or I'm sorry, this month. And we wanted to make that known to you all so that if you were close to him, that you would have the opportunity to ascend, uh, attend his memorial service, which will be on Saturday, uh, this Saturday, the, 20, the 18th, in the Two Rivers room. And so we'd love to invite you to be there if that's close to your heart. Meanwhile, there are tons of classes, groups, and different things that you can sign up for and participate in. And so um, to show you a little bit more, we're going to show this video. Good morning, church. We are so excited for our annual Valleywide Worship Service tonight. If you have never had the opportunity to attend one of these nights, please plan to be here. I cannot believe that this will mark 10 years of this valley coming together as one to worship. There is something incredibly special that happens when we have all different churches represented and in complete unity. This service starts at 6 p.m. here at Fellowship Church and we can't wait to see what God does. We are so excited and thankful that Rebecca Roseberry has poured her heart into a brand new curriculum called Empowered. Here's Pastor Tim to tell you a little bit more about it. Hey ladies of fellowship, I'm so excited about something that my wife has been working on and of course I'm a little partial. But one of the things that happened a few years ago at a women's retreat was she shared her heart on a subject that was super empowering to the point where I said, you need to write a curriculum on that. So she has, she's written this new curriculum, it's called Empowered and it's written just for you. And she's gonna be talking about in this series how to have tools or get tools to access God's power in your life. What are the weapons of power that we have at our disposal? How is setting boundaries in our life, how can that make us empowered in our everyday life? And then how to get our power back if we feel like we've lost it. And it's a six week series. It's starting April 4th. It's gonna be at seven o'clock here at the church. And we have these awesome workbooks that has a study guide and, and, and questions for your groups to discuss that'll be available for you. And it's only $15 uh, for those six weeks. I would love for you to be able to take this opportunity to be a part of this great course. Super easy to sign up. You can do so on the Church Center app or swing by the information counter. I would love to give you some more information about it, but God is going to bless so much in this series and make sure that you don't miss it. Another new class we are so excited about is John Bevere's updated curriculum, The Bait of Satan. Through this course, you will learn how to identify the condition of your heart, how to reconcile with others, and by God's grace, be equipped to live free from the trap of offense. This has honestly been a staple in our ministry for years. Don't allow yourself to be taken out by a hurt when we have a resource and truth that can set you free. This course will start on Wednesday, April 5th at 7 p.m. There's no cost. You can sign up on the Church Center app or drop by the Next Steps counter for more information. We are so excited to be starting another round of Rooted on April 23rd. 
This 10-week study will provoke questions. It will help with conversations and offer a comfortable group experience designed to give you a glimpse of your story within God's story. Whether you're new to the church or you just want to fill in some blanks about God or even about your faith, this is the course for you. You will begin to see God in new ways and hear His voice in really surprising places. In a world that is so isolated and empty, Rooted offers community and generosity. As always, if you've missed any of our announcements or you want more info, you can visit us at www.fellowshipgj.com events. We hope you enjoy the final week of our series, Unsung. you guys have enjoyed our series Unsung. We've loved teaching it. Now, I, I love teaching the stories of the Bible, and hopefully you know Scripture a little bit better now. No, maybe you know some of these characters in Scripture a little bit better. Some of the unsung heroes of the Bible, maybe that don't normally get talked about in Sunday school and in church. We started off with Esther. Uh, we talked about Nathan and Jael and Gideon and Benaiah, and all of those are great characters. All of them, though, are people that were in the Old Testament. This morning, we're going to be talking about some that are in the New Testament. Now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I love the movie Jesus Revolution. I hope you guys got to see that. It was such a blessing and they held it over again another week. I don't know if you saw that, which is really, really cool. And I think, I think yes, that's good because that's word of the mouth, right? It's, it's Christians out there talking about this awesome movie and how it affected their life. But I think if Lonnie came into our church, he would go, this church has a really good vibe, right? Wouldn't he? I think he would. We got a blessing. It's just blessing after blessing that's happening here at Fellowship. And God is moving through people getting saved and people getting baptized and, and people getting delivered from stuff. It's so, so cool. And of course, Jesus' revolution is talking about a revival. A revival that happened in the late 60s and early 70s and how it started in California and then how it moved throughout the United States. And revival is an incredible thing. And we're actually going to be looking at the first revival that happened on this planet. And it happened in the book of Acts. Now, revival is this experience that people have when they have an intimacy with the Lord that they've never had before. Revival can't be manipulated. Revival can't be planned. Revival is planned by the Holy Spirit and it is motivated by the Holy Spirit and it is led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see happen early on in the New Testament. Now, just a little historical background of what has happened before the book of Acts. Jesus has led his life. He has uh, uh, basically discipled the disciples, had got, has gone out and done all the miracles. He has uh, died on the cross for our sins, and then he has been resurrected. And after this particular time period, then Jesus comes back after he's resurrected and he spends or he has some different encounters with the men that he loved, with the people that he loved. And this is an encounter that happens in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And the scripture says in verse 9, after saying this, so Jesus is talking to them, it says, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. So they're listening to Jesus and he's talking to them and they're, they're learning things, you know, and he's trying to encourage them and then boom, he's gone, like takes off. And there's no jet packs during this time. There's no airplanes during this time. People didn't just jump in the air like Superman and take off. So they were astounded. And they watched him to a point where he disappeared into the clouds. And then God replaces Jesus with a couple of guys and they're standing there in white robes. Now this may be, and many scholars believe that these may be the same two witnesses that are mentioned in the book of Revelation that will come and prophesy during the tribulation period. So the tribulation is coming. Uh, uh, the rapture is going to happen. All of us are good pre-trib believers. So the rapture is happening first. And then there's going to be seven years of tribulation and then the second coming of Christ. 
during this time, there's going to be two guys, and many scholars believe it's, it's going to be like maybe Elijah and, and Moses or maybe Enoch, and they're going to come during the time of tribulation, and they're going to lead this big revival. And they're going to have supernatural powers. They're going to be in Jerusalem. They're going to speak the word of God. And people are going to come around and see them. And, and of course, there's going to be attacks launched against them. But nobody can touch them because they have supernatural powers. And so it's going to be a really, really cool thing that's going to happen. And then three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist actually kills these two witnesses. They lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three days. And then they're resurrected and they go to heaven. But they are going to be a part of this uh, this wonderful revival that is going to happen that is going to see millions and people uh, millions of people saved during the time of the tribulation now most of us believe that we're at the end times right now most of us believe that but wouldn't it be cool if the disciples got to see him go into heaven and we are a part of the generation that gets to see him come back from heaven. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be in just, just an unbelievable sight to be able to see Jesus? Yes, you can give, you can give Jesus a round of applause there because I hope that we do get to see that. Then these witnesses talk to the disciples that are standing there. They're still looking in the sky. And they say, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So they say, what are you standing here for? Get to work, right? What are you standing here for? He's gone. He's going to come back, but you need to get to work. And so they do. Shortly after this, we see in Scripture in the book of Acts that the disciples replaced Judas uh, with Matthias. Now, Judas, of course, you know from the story uh, in Scripture that, 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 that Judas was the man who betrayed Jesus. When he figures out that he has betrayed him and that he, he's done wrong, he ends up killing himself. And then they have to replace him because Judas had responsibilities within the group. So they replace him with this man named Matthias. And then in chapter 2, this big moment happens. This big revival moment. The Holy Spirit comes about seven weeks after Jesus goes back into heaven and the day of Pentecost happens. And when the day of Pentecost happens, uh, which Jesus predicts, Jesus talks about the fact, it's better for me to go. It's better for me to go into heaven because when I go to heaven, then the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not going to be like the Old Testament where only a priest can have the Holy Spirit or, or, or a prophet or, or maybe a king. But anyone that knows Jesus can have the Holy Spirit. So that's what happens at this day of Pentecost. Peter uh, steps up, he starts speaking. Uh, the, 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 the scripture says that, that the Holy Spirit comes upon everybody and the first church is born with 3,000 members, just like that. This is revival. This is the start of the new church. Now, I, I know that many of you might have heard about the revival that started just a few weeks ago at Asbury College. Okay, so that was incredible. And these people had personal encounters with the Holy Spirit to the point that they didn't want to leave. And I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience before, but it is incredible. It is this awe-inspiring feeling where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you don't want to leave his presence. That's revival. And that's what happened at Asbury College where they just had this normal chapel service and, and the guy speaking and then boom, all of, all of a sudden, without, without planning, without manipulation, the Holy Spirit busts out and they just start worshiping God and they don't close the chapel doors. They go 24 hours a day for weeks. That's what revival is. And that's what happens in the early church. Acts chapter two, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, which included the Lord's Supper, which is what we, we worship to or, or uh, as a form of worship we had this morning. And not only did that, but they devoted themselves to prayer. So we, that's why we have the Lord's Supper. That's why we want to make sure that we remember what Christ did. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So Jesus is gone. The disciples have to start doing what Jesus did. So they start performing miracles. They start seeing people healed and demons cast out of people and, and people that, that, that are imprisoned uh, because of their beliefs that, that, are, that are saved from being in prison. And we'll read a little bit more about that in just a second. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, 
met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this incredible growth experience happens. God is moving, the Holy Spirit is moving. And then we see the disciples go out and do what Jesus was doing. Chapter three, we see Peter goes out and he heals the crippled beggar. That's a a really famous story. But then in chapter four, we see the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council gets super upset. Now, these are the guys that killed Jesus. And they thought to themselves, if we kill Jesus, we'll kill the movement. If we kill the leader, we'll kill the movement. And they were wrong. They were wrong. They didn't kill the movement. In, in fact, what happens is the movement grows. Thousands and thousands of people start, start to, to come to know Jesus. And then not only one person is doing miracles or a few people are doing miracles, but all the apostles start doing miracles. And the Jewish high council can't control it. How do they explain that? They're the ones that are supposed to be the religious leaders, yet they aren't performing miracles because they've rejected Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The power has moved then into the disciples and the apostles and those that are in the early church. So they get so upset that they think, you know what, let's throw these leaders in jail. Maybe we can kill them. So they throw John and Peter in jail, but miraculously they get released. That never happened. That did not happen. If you got thrown in jail by the high council for those reasons, you were not released, yet they were. And so the early church, they're upset. They're like, oh no, we lost Jesus. And then now we're, now we're gonna lose John and Peter. And then all of a sudden, John and Peter show up. They just show up at church. And the people are amazed. They're like, you got out of jail? Are you kidding me? Like who posted bail for you? Are you, we don't, like how, how did you get here? So they're astonished. And then this happens. Watch what they do here. The believers pray and they say, and now, oh Lord, hear their threats. So so John and Peter get released and they're like, God, hear their threats. Hear hear the Sanhedrin's threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They prayed so hard, the spirit moved and the church shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. So in this story, this week, what we're looking at is another group of unsung heroes. And who were the unsung heroes in this story? The believers, the church. Scripture says that they are a part of the miracles, that they're giving everything that they have, that they're risking their lives, that they're preaching the word. They are, they, they, they're, they're prayer, they are the prayer support for this new movement, this new movement that has spread and is still happening today. Now, I want you to notice some things from this text. Let's just talk about them a little bit. The first of which is that those people The ones that we just read about, they were brand new Christians. They were brand new Christians. Many of them had just received Christ at Pentecost. Yet the Bible says in verse 31, then they preached the word of God with boldness. When I was first saved, I I couldn't think about serving yet. I, I I didn't think I was worthy. You think about when you first got saved, and some of you guys maybe just started your relationship with Christ. Many of us believe that we can't serve or we can't be a part of this movement because we don't know enough yet, right? That's one of the first things the devil tells us. Well, you, you know, slow down a little bit. You don't know enough. These people didn't know anything, but God used them. And then we think things like, well, we're not clean enough. I mean, Maybe we can serve God when, when we've cleaned up our act, we've gotten rid of some of these addictive behaviors we have, or, 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 or we just have some sin, sin stuff that we need to deal with. Maybe when I'm clean, then I can serve. Or then maybe we walk into it with the fear that we just might fail God. The last thing any of, want to, any of us want to do is fail anybody, but, but especially God. So the devil works against us and keeps us in a, in a place where we feel like we're not worthy of serving. 
these unsung heroes, they realize something. They realize that it's not about how much you know, it's about how much you rely on him. It's not about what you know, it's how much you can just rely on God. The Holy Spirit gives these new believers the boldness. He gives them the tools. It wasn't about them anyway. It wasn't about their might or their strength. It was about the Holy Spirit working in people that were allowing him to work. And he'll do the same for us. He does. He'll give us the words to say. He'll give, him, he'll give us the guts to be able to say them. He'll even make opportunities for us if we just ask. If we'll just allow ourselves to, to be open to the, the thought of serving him. How can I serve you, God? I know you gave me gifts. I know you gave me abilities. How can I use these for you? Because we're all called according to his purpose. Sometimes it's in ways that we, we just wouldn't even think of. And we have a couple of testimonies this morning that talk about that. And this is one of them. My name is Blaze Barham. I have grown up in church pretty much my whole life. I have been a part of the fellowship family for about a year and a half now. I get the privilege to serve on Sundays for Green Team and have now worked into working at 4640. I felt like I was never called to ministry per se, but um, just, just spending time with kids and kind of being a good role model with them is probably the, the biggest reason that I you know, knew that I would be a good fit. God definitely placed that on my heart and I fought it for a little while. I gave myself you know, plenty of excuses, the drive itself, you know, my underqualifications. Why would I be the one to be called to serve? It would just be me hanging out with kids. I don't know how that I'm going to be used for his good. I didn't know anybody. I, I was still new. I knew a couple people, but just in passing. But jumping in like was like jumping into a family. So last year I did get an opportunity to help serve at the kids' conference. And for me, it was uh, another opportunity to hang out with the kids. I, you know, didn't really see myself as someone who had a lot to contribute, but there was a, a little boy who just being myself with, sitting next to him, having fun with him, and to watch him kind of open up, having fun, reaching out to other kids and just expressing himself. I, I thought that was definitely a God move. You know, he was able to somehow use me to get this young boy to open up. I didn't find out till later that he and his brother are in the foster care system. He also has a couple learning disabilities. I could see a little bit of that the first day, but by the end of the third day, he was jumping around, talking with kids and I didn't really understand what that meant, how important that was for him, and how big. And that's kind of when it all hit me, that God used me to help this kid. It was, it was amazing to see. And yeah, I had, I had no idea what was going on in his life. Just wanted to be someone that was there for him, to hang out with him, to have him have as much fun as he possibly could. So if there you know, are some of you out there who are still considering whether or not to serve, I would absolutely encourage you to. Um, even if you think you're underqualified, not qualified, trust God that you know, he's got a plan for you because that's really what it comes down to is if it's, if it's on your heart, reach out, start the process, uh, you're, you'll find a home and he'll be able to use you no matter where you're at. no idea the impact we can have on people's lives or how much they really need you to influence them. You just make yourself available like Blaze did. The other thing I want us to notice in the scriptures is that they were of one heart and one mind. They were of one heart and one mind. Well, why? Why? Why were that? Why were they of one heart and one mind? Well, because they were all on the same team. And they all had the same goal. They, they didn't care about anything else but seeing others meet the same Jesus they had met. They were sold out 
literally, in fact, the scripture says that they sold everything they had and that they owned for the cause. It was real to them. It was personal to them. Many times we see people get saved and maybe you have this experience and once you get saved and you feel the spirit in your life, you feel Jesus working, we're, we're quick at that time to tell others about it. And man, I, you, gotta, you gotta experience this Jesus that I've experienced. And you, you, by word of mouth, you just, you grow the kingdom in that way. But then time goes by and maybe we have some bad experiences telling people about Jesus and it causes us to kind of stop. And then maybe we go through a deliverance experience where we are delivered from something huge and it's this incredible miracle that happens in our lives and we get excited again and we go out and we tell others about Jesus and tell others about deliverance and how it can affect their lives. And then once again, we kind of get into our normal life and our normal routine and we stop doing it. The Bible calls us to be believers that fulfill the Great Commission throughout our life you may be the only way that someone in your life ever hears about the gospel, that ever hears about Jesus. We can never stop that. We can never stop telling others. We can never stop sharing that passion and that excitement. If we realize that we're all on the same team, if we realize that we all have the same goal, can you imagine what we can do together? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to take that step. It's sometimes it's hard because we don't know anybody or we're fearful or we have the devil speaking all those lies in our heads and we need a little help. We need a little push. Maybe like this couple. So my husband and I have served together for the last 20 years in ministry, typically side by side. When we were coming from California, we had been together serving at various capacities and we decided when we got here that we were gonna take a step back and we were gonna focus on our marriage and our kids and just enjoy our family out here. But after a few services, we knew that fellowship was our home. My husband has been with a mic in his hand probably since he was about three years old and that really is his gifting, that is his calling, that is what he is meant to do. And after a few services, I knew that him not serving was not really going to be fulfilling to him. It was not going to make him happy and it was not him serving in the way that he was meant to serve. So I went online and I completed the form for him and um, Julie responded very quickly and after service that day I nicely told him that he had a meeting with Julie, um, an interview and he just kind of looked at me and asked me who Julie was and I reminded him and told him to go show up. And after five years, um, he has been serving and using his gift on the fellowship worship team. Um, my husband, you might recognize him, Rocky. You know, and the rest is history. Once I met Julie and Amanda and started serving here at Fellowship Church, it just fit. Like they were my people. And, and it's just awesome. Every, every chance that I get to, to sing is, is just special. And if it wasn't for Carla pushing me and signing me up and, and forcing me to do it, I'd be miserable sitting out there wasting my gift. But you know, if, if you feel like a push to get out there and serve, do it. It's completely worth it. After my family was finally settled in Grand Junction, I found my own place to serve. Um, I serve on the green team in between services in the craft room, which I absolutely love working with your children. And that helps to give Rocky the flexibility to use his gift. It helps me serve in my family. It helps me serve in my church. And it's what I absolutely love doing. God will give you that time back. You know, you, you sometimes feel like, you know, I don't have enough time in the day, but God will give that back to you and he'll give it back to you even more. And that's what I found too. You know, it's like you serve every week and you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not seeing my kids here or seeing my kids there, but God has completely given that back to me tenfold. When you do what God asks you to do, you know, to see all the blessings that come with it, it's amazing. I think when we are busy and we feel overwhelmed, adding anything else to our plate seems like too much. But I think there's always a place, even if it is for a short period of time for each service, or maybe it's weekday, there's a place for you to serve that meets the needs of your family to where you 
can either use your gift, find new gifts, or just fill your purpose in the church and in the community. We need to just thank God for our spouses sometimes, right? Pushing us, motivating us. Pretty awesome story. Well, the third thing that we need to look at is God's great favor is on us. When we make these moves, when we decide to do something for him, his favor is on us. Acts 4.33 says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Another translation says favor, while another translation says grace. I'll take them all. <laughs> I'll take his favor. I'll take his grace. I'll take his blessings. I I need it. We need it. Now, knowing this and knowing what God can do, knowing that the Holy Spirit wants to use you, I think we need to ask ourselves the same question that the two witnesses asked the disciples. What are we standing here for? What is keeping us from making a move to make a difference? The truth is, is that you're the hero. You're the unsung hero in the story and God cannot wait to see you use your potential for him. Jesus is coming back and we need to make the most of our time. Let's make a difference together. This morning we have a service expo in the lobby and it's just a place where you can go and you can get ideas about where to serve. You can ask questions about different ministries. We have all kinds of ways you can serve here. You can, you can serve through our facilities department, through our tech ministry. We have a drama ministry. You can serve through it. We have children's and youth ministries. We have ushers and greeters and there's all kinds of ways that you can serve. So find your spot, find your spot. And regardless of whether or not you, you serve here at the church, the truth is, is we're all supposed to fulfill the Great Commission. And revival start within us and then spread to other people. And the way that we can spread the gospel and the way one of the ways we can see people get saved and grow in their faith is by simply just inviting people to church. Invite them to church. This is a safe place for your friends and your family that don't know Jesus to come. We have a huge evangelistic event coming up just in a few weeks just for that. It's called Easter. It's called Easter. And Easter is normally a service that most people will go to, even if they don't normally go to, go to church. Now, this is a tool. Use the Easter service as a tool. And for people that don't know Jesus yet, or for people that don't go to church, we don't want to proselyte. We don't want to take people from other churches. This is for those that don't know Jesus or are out of church. And we are going to do this service that, oh, I'm so excited for. It's going to be so cool. First of all, the music. I'm really excited for the music. Some of the things that are going to happen that day. And, and uh, we actually have uh, uh, people that are going to be coming in from the uh, CMU's drum line to help us with something that we're doing. So it's, it's going to be super cool. Uh, but also the message. This is going to be a live action message where you're going to get to see Jesus and the disciples and get to know them a little bit better. But it's going to be an opportunity for us to take the Lord's Supper together as a church. But most importantly, for the people that you know and love that don't know Jesus, to get to know Jesus. It is gonna be a salvation event. And I hope that you guys invite people to come, invite them. We're gonna do our best to make room for them. And this is our chance. After that, we're gonna start a series called The Chosen. And we're gonna get to know, and I hope, man, I hope you guys are watching The Chosen. Right now you can watch the first two seasons on Prime and it is the story of Jesus and the disciples. Of course, they take liberties in certain ways to tell the story, just to make it to where you can watch it, you know, in a, in a, in a feature, uh, a TV series. Start watching that. And we're gonna do a series about it uh, right after Easter, the first week after Easter. It'll also be something great to invite people to. But guys, it's, it's up to us. If it would have been solely up to the 12, if it would have been solely up to those disciples, the Christian movement would have, it would have stopped a long time ago. It took everybody. The whole church has to get involved.
Now, when you think about the events that happened at Asbury and you think about the events that happened in, in Jesus' revolution and the revival that happened. I mean, that, that's inspiring, right? It just gets you pumped up. It gets you going, wow, that's so cool. But you know what? Why can't that happen here? Why not us, right? Why not us? Why not now? The Holy Spirit can move. He can create a moment that is so awe-inspiring for all of us that it won't end there, but it'll grow and it'll change lives and we'll see people get saved. And man, the sky's the limit. And it's okay to ask for that. Revival starts here. So I want you to take a second and I want you just to bow your heads wherever you are. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to start a revival in you. Now, as you do that, maybe we need to repent of some things. Maybe we need to get some stuff out of our lives. Maybe he wants to use this to even a greater extent, but there's some stuff holding us back. Just tell him. Tell him that give you the strength to get rid of that stuff. And I pray Holy Spirit right now that a spark would happen in our spirit. A spark would happen in our soul, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. And that spark would start to fan into a flame. selfishly hold on to that to ourselves. We, we want that to spread. Help us to be a part of this movement. Help us to be the hero. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So before you leave, I want to invite you back for six o'clock tonight. What happens once a year is unprecedented here at Fellowship. It's, it's unprecedented in any other community because we have nine different worship pastors from nine different churches. We have a community choir from 21 different churches in the Valley. This is our 10th year and every year something super special happens. And it's just a night of worship and it will bless you. And you know what, time changed so you, it won't even be dark when you get out, okay? Unless the spirit really moves and I don't know, you know, what'll happen. But guys, come back, fan that flame into something great. I can't wait to see what God is gonna do tonight. I think it's gonna be super cool. It's gonna be super special. So come, open your hearts to see what the Lord wants to do. And then next week, Pastor Hooper will be back and he's gonna be doing a message called, this is not my practice life. This is not my practice life. It's gonna be really, really awesome. So don't miss that. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. 
Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again and we hope to see you next week in person or online.